Filmscope UG with DSTV Uganda. Great stories come alive on DSTV. DSTV Uganda, it's your moment. Welcome to Filmscope UG, brought to you by DSTV Uganda. This is where we celebrate the amazing, talented people in the film and television industry who have done so much in the last several years to revolutionize the way we view entertainment, especially at home on our screens. It's not uh, been for a long while that we've been able to enjoy beautifully made Ugandan television productions. These are fairly recent innovations. And in this short time, we've seen amazing dramas, comedies, soap operas, musicals, and all kinds of amazing uh, entertainment come to our homes uh, on our screens, courtesy of channels like, uh, you know, <laughs> like uh, Pearl Magic and Pearl Magic Prime. So, yeah, great future ahead for the world of television and film in this country of Uganda. On Filmscope, we talk to the people at the forefront of uh, leading that revolution. <laughs> Today, we are going to be talking to a lady who uses film to create community-based stories deeply responsive to their environments. Her name is Nikisi Serumaga. She's a script supervisor as well as an art director. She's part of the script and continuity department in Margot's picture that came out in uh, 2011. Also, she's behind Warriors. My daddy left me too. That one came out in 2011. She's also done We'll Always Have Paris. That one came out in 2011 also. Plus also Brown Girl Begins. That one came out in 2017. So she's a very accomplished lady and we are happy to be speaking to her today on Filmscope. Hi, Nikisi. How are you? I'm okay. Thank you for relaxing me ahead of this interview. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, it's uh, important that, you know, we all just try to clear our minds a little bit. Yeah. And because uh, with everything that's happening... You know, uh, people are going crazy. So I'm glad you could make it today Thanks. Uh, to be able to share with us the magic behind your passion. Uh, because for someone with such accomplishments, because we're always interested to speak to especially women who work behind the scenes. You know, it's one yeah. thing to have someone that's in front of the camera a beautiful actress and, you know, God bless them. They do amazing work. Yeah. But uh, for me, I am specifically intrigued by those that work behind the scenes that are able to create and to tell very unique stories from a woman's perspective. Uh, and so to see that you have been involved in such projects just makes me wonder what got you interested in the first place? Yeah, well, first of all, I feel like those projects are like the throwbacks of the throwbacks of my CV. So I'm surprised that somebody even managed to find the titles. I love it. Trust me, we, <laughs> we look our people up, man. We look them I up. I can see. No, but um, what actually happened is that my older sister works in film. And when I was in high school, we had this, um, you know, take a girl child to work day. So I went with her to her work and she was working on a documentary. So you were a child. I was a child at some point. Um, yeah. And I really liked that. That was when I was like 17. So when I left high school, I did a gap year and worked at a production company in Johannesburg. That was really cool. Nice. And studied film for a bit. And then I think maybe what's even more interesting for me behind the scenes was that 
I worked at the Toronto International Film Festival for mm-hmm. a couple of seasons. Mm-hmm. And that was really good for just seeing how does this machine mm-hmm. that consumes our films actually work. So what was it like? Because uh, I'm sure, and that's a famous film festival, did you meet uh, anyone notable or someone you might have admired or yeah. had seen their work? Yeah, I met... Um, I met people who I really admired in terms of the celebrities and the directors. Mm-hmm. But did was, you meet Scorsese? I did it? not meet Scorsese. <laughs> I had no chance of meeting Scorsese. Spielberg, anyone? Nothing. None of those names. But I met a Sudanese filmmaker called Hajuj Kuka, who mm-hmm. actually, after a conversation with him, helped me to kind of just realize that I wanted to move back to Kampala. And mm-hmm. like 10 days after that, I moved back here in 2016. Boom. And obviously, you wanted to come back here to start making films, to start telling stories. That's it. Uh, Ugandan stories. And so, you know, your films are and your projects are best known for being, you know, community-based. You seem to like the local stories. Um, can you give us a sense of how you come up with the stories you decide to tell? Yeah, I feel like maybe I need to change the wording of community-based. The stuff that I'm working on now, I'm really interested to use small stories as reflections of bigger pictures. Ah. So I really like documentary because a long form documentary because you can take time, pay attention to something, sit with it and understand how it reflects wider ideas about Uganda, about different societies, about different people. So that's what I'm trying to do now. I guess um, I'm seeing that uh, a lot of people that are involved in film, I'm seeing this a lot in the West. I don't know to what extent it's a thing here, but uh, we're starting to see a lot of activism uh, being injected in uh, a lot of the filmmaking that's being done. It used to be a bit more subtle in the past, but now it's a lot more overt where you sit through a film and it's clear that they're preaching to you. Yeah, which is not fun for anyone. Uh, and, and, And so what ends up happening is... Because it's so blatant, you actually, if you don't get, you know, irritated by it, yeah. uh, by them talking down to you, you might just sort of tune all of that out. I find that the most effective films that aspire for social change or to the films that want to spark conversations, that these are films in which a lot of those themes are sort of uh, interwoven into the story rather than be the story itself. Yeah, uh, I don't know if that makes yeah. sense. And when you think of the work that you do as a filmmaker, is that a balance you struggle with? Definitely. Because I think that there's also, let me say to you, I'm working on a project Mm -hmm. which um, takes a look at textiles as a way to measure Uganda's like economic independence and freedom from like pre-colonial times until present. And we're following someone setting up a brand Mm -hmm. in the process of doing that, which is beautiful. And so I don't want to overload it with facts and history and colonialism, this, we all know these things were bad, you know, Mm -hmm. but it's like, how can I use the characters who are in the story to get you to really, really, really fall in love with these people because they are beautiful. And then through seeing their story, you understand, okay, so this is what it means to actually be a post-colonial Ugandan African. And these are the things that we can change and what we can't change and how we move forward. So um, what are the things you're interested in changing in in society? And and how do you uh, harness some of the, I guess, the ingredients of filmmaking to be able to deliver that in a way that's easily understood and, and in a compelling way? Hmm question question 
So already you mentioned mm-hmm. uh, when you mentioned about colonialism and all that, I get the sense that you're very pan-African. You're very pro-Ugandan. Yeah. O- almost there's a a patriotic uh, flavor to some of the ideas you seem to hold. That's that's true. That's you, true. And I think do you feel that that's a struggle that we need to continue to amplify. I think that we need to maybe go about it in in more contemporary ways and even to some extent like make the revolution a little bit like sexy to put it like that. I really believe that if you care enough about your space, you won't let anyone destroy it. You won't let anyone take advantage of it. You'll do whatever you can to make sure that, you know, it stays of a certain value. But when you don't have that, it's really easy for anybody on the inside or out to really do what they want. Okay, and um what about the entertainment aspect? When trying to tell your story and it seems like the themes you cover are fairly serious, do you ever try to inject some levity or humor? I want laughter, I want dancing, yeah. I want super sexy people. Yes, because all of these concepts sound serious because they sound like they're outside of us. Because if if Phil, if a film is telling me, oh, you see, this is how Africans are struggling. No, no, no. Like That's... a lot of these slave movies that yeah. come out every few years. Yeah. And I think, like, personally, when I switch on Netflix, I'm not trying to see black people getting whooped, robbed, beaten. Like, this is not... Hollywood loves those films. I know, <laughs> they really like If you it. want an Oscar, put out a film where a black man or woman is suffering. <laughs> I know, and you're going to like you'll do well. But I think for me it's just like what content do I want to watch? Which like black African people do I actually want to see on screen? Are they people who I know? Can I relate to them? Mm-hmm. Um and all of these big big concepts are already deeply embedded in our lives. We don't have to like write a journalistic essay on it or that, like literally it's it's with us. What are your favorite movies? What are the films that inspire oh. you? Maybe not of your own, but yeah, yeah, ones yeah. you've watched. Um, Wong Kar Wai's In the Mood for Love. Mm-hmm. I fell in love with that because um, he's a fiction filmmaker who doesn't shoot with a script and he does it chronologically. And that film is the most romantic love story I've ever seen without a single kiss being exchanged on screen. It's so sensual. It's called what? In the Mood for Love. And this you said there was no script. There was no well yeah he doesn't really work with a script in a normal way he shoots and then reshoots and scripts and rescripts as he's shooting in I a really messy way but I, I love the outcome. I think that's a very interesting film. Was there a film like that uh in the 90s with Ethan Hawke and some Ooh, Judy Depley or something like that the she some girl he met on a train and they would the whole movie they're just talking. Yeah 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 improvising. Improvising and actually a film that does really well for this improvising like you're talking about mm-hmm. is called Paradise Love. And it's about these beach boys in Mombasa who take advantage of the women who come there. <laughs> weird power struggles. It's hilarious. It is so funny and it's so awkward and the worst sex I've ever seen in my entire life. Wait, 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 wait. really? There's so, there's sex scenes in that movie? So much. So much. Really don't watch it with your family. Don't watch it with anyone you like. <laughs> it's it. R-rated. <laughs> it's R-rated. My goodness. But um this but again, maybe that's even an example of like these like, you know, post-colonial power imbalances mm. in real human relationships and like how does it actually play out? Okay. Yeah. Wow. Um okay, and and I know if as a as a filmmaker, I guess it's it would almost seem like pulling trying to pull teeth out of your mouth to ask you if there's any more mainstream film 
yeah, that uh, yeah. you might like that people might know about because yeah. uh, this <laughs> some some of you guys are too embedded you, like you're too embedded in the whole thing that yeah, the films you like are like these very I know uh, very uh, like you know very rare underground type independent films I that know. no one has heard about I know you know what I really really uh, okay I'm just gonna tell you another underground one but it's gonna be African <laughs> <laughs> by this guy called John Munga it's called Viva Riba which is like the most pirated film apparently at its time uh, uh-huh. on the continent but I I I don't know I haven't watched so yeah. you're not into mainstream like uh Uh, if if I said Fast and Furious, what you'd roll your eyes? Uh, no, I wouldn't roll my eyes, but I wouldn't <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily like run to the theater. I have been watching more TV, like mainstream TV. I love Sex Education. I love Family Guy. Like when it comes to mainstream, it's about TV for me because that stuff is good and there's so much of it. Yeah, uh, I think a television format or te- television series format allows for uh, more fleshed out stories yeah um, because if it's just a 90 minute film feature then eh, there's not too many things you can say too much you can get done or show so yeah I, I can uh, understand that now is that something you've gone into before television um do you have any TV projects you're associated with or are interested in developing yeah my production company helped with um Date My Family season one and also Django Turier and that was a really fun experience for like just how do you make a reality show under very different conditions than what the reality show format was created like mm-hmm. it's um, so many different obstacles from like if somebody's house runs out of power how are you shooting where are the lights how are you managing crew that's coming from all different parts of town but it was really fun to get to like see Kampala with a slightly different lens mm-hmm. and also to just like build a system that you know that you repeat over and over and over mm-hmm. again you're filming the same setup over and over whereas with film it feels like it's always a new setup ah. so it was nice to it was nice to practice that so um, what's the future for Nikisi Serumaga mm. where do you want to go now from here what happens next From here, I really want to focus on documentary and finding really interesting stories and making documentary like fun and sexy and actually representative of the lives that we live, not like these really boring, sad <laughs> stories, although they also have their place. Yes. Um, and I also want to see how to make documentary interdisciplinary. So like with this film that I'm working on, It's not just the film itself because that will take years and years. We also want to have a podcast. We want some visual art, some short videos around mm. it so that it becomes more of an experience and less of just like a moment that mm. somebody could miss. Well, it's been so much fun talking to you. Is there any place that you could direct someone to to find out more about what you or your production company is doing? Yeah, our production company's name is The Duka, D-U-U-K-A, and it's theduka.com. All right. Yeah. And uh, so you can find out more about uh, the projects that Nikisi is uh, working on now. Of course, uh, someone listening might be wondering, Nikisi, hmm, is that a name from someone around here or <laughs> what's uh, the story behind that name? My dad's Mozambican and my mom is Ugandan. Yeah, I thought it I sounded Southern African a little yeah. bit. Yeah, okay, good guess. Good guess. <laughs> <laughs> Probably the closest. Well, it was a pleasure to talk to you, Nikisi Serumaga, yeah. and uh, we wish you all the best in your career and Thank in your future you. prospects. And we We hope uh, we can continue uh, to engage and to talk. Yeah, thank you to the King of Radio for having me here. I really appreciate it. You are welcome. <laughs>
Filmscope UG with DSTV Uganda. Great stories come alive on DSTV. DSTV Uganda, it's your moment.